Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchstone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Mesner, Senior Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Rob. And I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's program. And today's program is being done in collaboration or in partnership with the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation uh, and Cancer Care. And today's program is titled Triple Negative Breast Cancer and African American Women. Today's program is made possible by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and an independent grant from Merck and Company, Inc., and we really want to thank them for their support to this program and particularly want to thank the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation for supporting so many um, of these workshops um, uh, throughout the year, actually, and also for um, also supporting our Triple Negative Healthcare Foundation um, helpline as well, and you'll be hearing more about that as we go along. And I just would like to acknowledge that we have really quite a few of you on the call today. There are over um, 250 people on the call uh, today, and you come from all the United States, from both urban, rural, and suburban communities. And we also have international participants from uh, there are over 250 participants on this call today from all over the United States, from both urban, rural, and suburban communities. And we also have international participants from um, Algeria, Canada, Egypt, Ghana, and the United Kingdom. So this is truly a global call as well. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Tiffany Unger. And Dr. Unger is Associate Staff Breast Medical Oncology, Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, Tossic Cancer Center, Cleveland Clinic. And Dr. Dr. Unger will be addressing an overview of triple negative breast cancer for African-American women in the context of COVID, seasonal flu, and seasonal flu, and RSV, and she'll be able to explain that to all of you. She will also be discussing the difference in triple negative breast cancer for African-American women. She'll also be able to describe the role of surgery and follow-up care and clinical trials in terms of how they offer treatment options. She'll also be discussing current standard of care for black African-American women new treatment approaches, including precision medicine and treatment sequencing, tips to prevent and manage treatment side effects, symptoms, neuropathy, discomfort, and pain, and questions to prepare for telehealth, telemedicine appointments, including technology, prepared list of questions, quality of life concerns, follow-up appointments, and discussion of open notes. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Unger. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. We do have a lot to cover today, but I am really looking forward to having this conversation. Uh, my name is Dr. Tiffany Onger. I'm a breast cancer doctor at the Cleveland Clinic. 
As a medical oncologist in my role, I treat breast cancer patients with medicines, including chemotherapy, immunotherapy, and endocrine therapy. I am honored to talk with you all today about triple negative breast cancer in the African-American community, a community I am proud to be a part of. So what is triple negative breast cancer? To better understand this term, I'd like to talk about how the diagnosis is made. Many women will be diagnosed with breast cancer by way of a mammogram. In fact, there will have been nearly 300,000 new cases of breast cancer in the United States in this year alone, making breast cancer one of the most common cancers in women in the United States, second only to skin cancers. It represents about 30% of all new female cancers each year. A screening mammogram, which should be started no later than age 40 for most women, some women need to get screened sooner, is one of the most effective ways of finding early breast cancers. If an abnormality is found on a mammogram, this is often followed up with a biopsy, which is a small sampling of the breast tissue for examination under a microscope. Once the pathologist a doctor who specializes in, un in identifying cancer cells under a microscope makes a diagnosis of breast cancer. They will then provide additional testing for receptors on the cancer cells. Receptors are proteins on the breast cancer cell which can be activated when the right substance binds to the correct receptor. In a way, you can think of a receptor as a switch and only certain substances can turn the switch on. In the case of breast cancer, the switches or receptors of most importance are estrogen, progesterone, and something called HER2, which stands for Human Epidermal Growth Factor Receptor 2. These three receptors give doctors an idea of how the cancer is growing. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of different receptors on cells, but these three, the estrogen, progesterone, and HER2, have specific treatments available to them. Triple negative breast cancer cells lack all three receptors. Triple negative breast cancer is found in about 10 to 20 percent of all breast cancers. Women with this type of breast cancer tend to be a bit younger, age 60, and are also more likely to be black. In fact, there is nearly a threefold increased risk of triple negative breast cancers for black women. This cancer tends to be more aggressive, meaning that it spreads faster than other types of breast cancers. It can develop even between annual mammograms, which is why it's so important to get a mammogram each year to identify any early findings of breast cancer. Another reason why it's so important to get screening mammograms starting at age 40 at the very latest is because triple negative breast cancer tends to affect black younger women at a higher weight rate than white women. For premenopausal white women, the rate is only 14 percent, 
but for black premenopausal women, the rate is nearly 30%. Unfortunately, during COVID, there was a sharp decline in the use of screening mammograms in April of 2020. The healthcare system has worked hard to try to increase the rates back to the pre-pandemic level, but we know that due to some of those delays in diagnoses, um, people not being able to get to those mammograms at the regular time that they would have, that cancers were found later and at a more advanced stage. And when it comes to cancers, we want to treat it early to provide the best chances for survival. We also know that as part of normal health maintenance, that continuing to get the flu vaccine and the RSV vaccines are also critically important while caring for primary care health concerns. And while these facts may be disheartening, there is some good news. Recent studies have found that for women with an early stage, larger, high-risk, triple-negative breast cancer, that might mean that the cancer itself is larger or that there is lymph node involvement, a new type of treatment has improved survival. This treatment is chemotherapy plus immunotherapy, or sometimes just called chemoimmunotherapy. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the treatment options for triple negative breast cancer. When we consider triple negative breast cancer, and really breast cancer in general, we consider multidisciplinary care. Multidisciplinary means that someone will see a doctor from various disciplines to provide comprehensive and thorough cancer care. That would include surgery, radiation, and the medicines, which I mentioned just a little while ago. When we consider surgery for breast cancers, there's typically two options that we can think about. That would include a lumpectomy, which is a small incision in the breast to remove the cancer and a little bit of normal tissue around, often followed up with radiation, or a mastectomy, which is a complete removal of the breast. This is one type of local treatment for breast cancer surgery. The next aspect of breast cancer care is radiation. Radiation therapy uses high-energy x-rays, protons, or other particles to kill cancer cells. Rapidly growing cells, such as cancer cells, are more susceptible to the effects of radiation therapy than are normal cells. Not everyone will require radiation, but many will as part of their comprehensive cancer treatment. Over the years, our ability to target just one area um, has, been able to enab has enabled us to be able to reduce the side effects, and so treatments are tolerated considerably better than back in the past. Finally, and this is the area that's near and dear to my heart as a medical oncologist, the medicines. The medicines could include chemotherapy, immunotherapy, endocrine therapy, or combination thereof. 
when we're talking specifically about triple negative breast cancer, and we're talking about those higher risk lymph node, or sometimes lymph node positive early stage breast cancers, patients can be offered chemoimmunotherapy. This isn't right for everyone, but it is right for many patients. This treatment is typically offered up front or before surgery rather than after surgery. You might hear your doctor describe something called neoadjuvant therapy. And that's when this treatment is offered up front, medicines up front, followed by surgery. For women who take this newer treatment of the chemoimmunotherapy, more than half of them are living cancer-free at three years as compared to women who did not take this new treatment. Those other women use the standard of care without its chemotherapy without immunotherapy. The benefit for chemoimmunotherapy was also found in women with metastatic breast cancer. Metastatic, we can also think of stage four or when the cancer has moved outside of the immediate breast and or lymph node area. In particular, those patients with metastatic breast cancer who have a PDL1 positive breast cancer. You might have heard a little bit about PDL1 or immunotherapy in the news. I think about immunotherapy as a type of targeted therapy. This type of treatment allows us to target specific cells with certain markers on it, such as PDL1. The field of oncology has advanced so much with precision medicine in the recent years and has really allowed us to improve outcomes and reduce the side effects with cancer treatment. Medicine medicine refers to looking at a patient's cancer and identifying unique mutations or markers on it which might be associated with specific treatments. These unique markers are not typically assessed at the time of the initial biopsy. And so if you've been diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer, it's something that should be considered. When we do this type of a unique precision testing, we often call this testing next generation sequencing, next generation sequencing or NGS for short. Anyone who's been diagnosed, especially if it's metastatic, should ask about this. Something else that I often recommend for my patients at any phase of their cancer care, from early diagnosis treatment through survivorship, including metastatic, is clinical trials. Now, the rate of clinical trial uh, participation has increased over the years. We have many more trial options available for patients now than we've ever had in the past. Sometimes people are a little bit reluctant to participate in clinical trials out of concern for some of the historic challenges the medical community has um, been involved with in the past. I do want to encourage everyone to consider clinical trials because each clinical trial at an academic center and community center um, that has been approved by the governing bodies has been carefully evaluated for safety and that is the utmost concern for patients while they're in clinical trials.
Clinical trials are an excellent option at any point. We don't just wait until patients are, and I quote, out of options. But this is something that can be considered at any point in the cancer journey. Clinical trials are critically important, one, because they provide the best standard of care for patients. These patients are monitored so closely, and they are really given the best standard or being evaluated with the best standard often with something else. For clinical trials, it's not the kind of thing where once you commit that you're locked in, you can have a conversation about how things are going. And as part of your consent process, you can choose to withdraw your consent and no longer participate at any time. And your doctor should not make you feel pressured in any way, shape, or form about participating or not participating in a clinical trial. Additionally, at our, some of our recent oncology cancer meetings, we realized that the oncolo as oncologists, we don't always offer clinical trials to all populations, sometimes because we assume unfairly that patients won't be interested. This is another reason why I want to share with you all as members of the community to ask about clinical trials. Your oncologist should be offering them, but if they haven't offered it, please ask about it. Third, the third reason that I want to mention clinical trials is because it allows us to advance the field. It allows us to continue to move treatment forward to have even better survival rates and this is how we found out about chemoimmunotherapy for breast cancer. So I've mentioned a little bit of, about testing. I talked about the next generation sequencing. I've talked a little bit about clinical trials. I also want to talk about genetic testing. Triple negative breast cancer is more common in younger black women, but it's also more common in women who carry a BRCA1 mutation. A BRCA mutation is one of dozens of mutations in genes that can increase the risk for different types of cancers, but breast cancer most commonly. Mutations in genes can be inherited from a parent and passed on to a child. You won't know if you have a mutation without testing. Testing is done through the blood, but to know the exact type of test to send, You've got to know your family tree. You've got to know your family history. At the very least, you want to know those family members who are one degree from yourself. That's going to be your parents, your siblings, and your children. Additional information is always helpful. So if you know your grandparents, if you know your aunts and uncles, if you know your cousins, your nieces and nephews history, that is important as well. Any cancer history in the family should be reviewed with your doctor to ask if genetic counseling is right for you. Some of the bits of information that would be helpful for your doctor are the, now in addition to the relationship that you have with this person, include the age and diagnosis, and if you know the stage of the cancer, that could be helpful as well. And it's all of this information helps your doctor determine whether genetic testing is right for you and to know the type of testing to order. Finally, the last benefit for genetic testing is that some patients, based upon their genetic results, 
will qualify for earlier screening. You might have noticed that I've been harping on this mammogram at age 40. Great birthday gift to, your, gift to yourself. Mammogram starting at age 40 every year. But some patients, for example, ones that might have a BRCA mutation, might call for earlier screening or different types of screening in addition to the mammogram. Finally, the last reason I want to mention genetic testing is important is because sometimes there can even be treatment implications or treatment decisions made upon the genetic testing results. There are medicines that have been developed through clinical trials that have been demonstrated to be effective and provide more benefit for patients who have certain mutations, but we have to know about those mutations to know if we can use those additional medicines. So as we continue talking about treatments, many patients will ask me, Doc, can I get through this? I mean, this chemotherapy, that's a lot. It can kill a lot of cells. Will I be sick and tired all the time? And I have to admit, when my mother went through breast cancer treatment about a decade ago, it was tough. Thankfully, things have gotten significantly better. So as our treatments for breast cancer have gotten better, so has the management for side effects. Some of our regimens have even been shortened to make them uh, more tolerable without losing any efficacy. We now know to give additional medicines at the same time of treatments to prevent, to prevent some of those worst side effects such as nausea and vomiting. And it's not to say even with the supportive medicines that you're going to feel like running a marathon. I, I'm not going to tell you that. But it's certainly not as bad as it used to be. Additionally, the field of palliative medicine has really grown. Palliative medicine is a field of medicine dedicated towards the alleviation of side effects of disease or its treatment. It's most commonly found in the cancer setting, but is also effective for patients with advanced heart failure or liver failure. I highly recommend a palliative medicine referral for anyone who's struggling with side effects from their cancer or cancer treatment. And do know, this is not the same as hospice. They used to be, we used to kind of associate one or the other. We don't do that anymore. It's not the same as hospice, and it can really help improve your quality of life. As I talk about quality of life, I do want to talk about some of the side effects that patients experience and ask me about on a pretty regular basis. One of the symptoms that patients experience is fatigue. Cancer-related fatigue is extremely common. 80 to 100% of patients will report having some degree of fatigue during their treatment. The fatigue felt by people with cancer is different from the fatigue of daily life and different from the tired feeling that people might remember having before they had cancer. Rest might help for a short time, but doesn't make it go away completely, and just a little bit of activity can be exhausting. In patients with cancer, weakness might be caused by having recovery from surgery, from radiation, from low blood counts or um, electrolyte or blood chemistry levels. Uh, weakness could also be due to infection or changes in the hormone levels. Cancer in and of itself can also cause fatigue. However, there are a number of treatments for cancer-related fatigue. Exercise and yoga are two important treatments. 
Um, you can also engage in massage therapy, counseling, and dietary or nutritional counseling. Palliative medicine doctors have also have a lot of tricks up their sleeves for things that can help out with fatigue. And thankfully, fatigue is generally pretty limited to the time of treatment, and it does get better over the weeks and the months after treatment. Many patients do find that they're able to get back up to their normal level of activity um, in the months after their immediate cancer treatment. Another common side effect is neuropathy, or numbness and tingling. This can happen in the fingers and the toes. There can be a lot of reasons for numbness and tingling, or neuropathy, during cancer treatment. One of the most common is the chemotherapy treatments. One of the things that we do more aggressively now is make adjustments in the dose when patients are experiencing numbness and tingling. Some numbness and tingling is expected, but if it starts to get more significant, then your medical oncologist might talk to you about reducing the dose. We're not going to reduce it beyond an effective dose. Sometimes people worry about that, but it does help us to preserve the sensitive nerves, and again, the numbness and tingling tends to get improve over the weeks and months, sometimes even up to a year after cancer treatment is complete. These are some of these side effects that patients ask me about, um, and they do improve slowly, but they do improve. I also want to talk about sleeplessness. As many as half of people with cancer have problems sleeping. The sleep disorders most likely to affect people with cancers are insomnia and abnormal sleep-wake cycle. That can be sleeping during the day and awake at night. There are many reasons why patients might have trouble sleeping, including physical changes caused by cancer or surgery. Sleep problems can also be caused by the side effects of treatments, medicines you're taking. Sometimes even the steroids that I give with the chemotherapy can interrupt the sleep a bit. Some of the ways that we manage this are talking with your doctor, seeing a counselor if anxiety seems to be one of the reasons, having good sleep hygiene, and even sometimes medicine can be helpful. Patients also complain about chemo brain. This is a common complaint, and especially in a cancer that affects younger women, this is top of mind, so to speak, for many people. Chemo brain is a common term used by cancer patients to describe thinking and memory problems that occur during the cancer treatment. Chemo brain can also be called chemo fog or cancer-related cognitive impairment or cognitive dysfunction. Chemo brain is a commonly used term and the causes of concentration and memory problems are not all that well understood by the medical community. It's likely that chemo brain is due to multiple causes and so we need to address it through multiple avenues. Some of the symptoms can include disorganization, confusion, difficulty concentrating, difficulty multitasking, and forgetfulness. If you experience memory troubles or thinking problems, please do make an appointment with your doctor. We want to hear about this. This is the way that we can help you. Please do keep a journal of your signs and symptoms so that your doctor can better understand how your memory problems are affecting your everyday life. Chemo brain treatment focuses on coping with the symptoms, and in many cases, 
the memory-related problems are temporary. The last side effect that I want to be sure to touch on today is sexual dysfunction. Recent journal articles have um, made us more aware that oncologists aren't always the first to ask about sexual dysfunction. I think in our community it can still be felt to be a little taboo, and I also get the impression from some of my patients sometimes that they wonder if I'm interested in hearing about their sexual dysfunction when they, we previously had just been talking about how to save their lives and treat their cancer. But sexual dysfunction is one of the most common and distressing side effects of cancer treatment, in particular among female cancer survivors. The causes may be hormonal, they could be psychological, interpersonal, as in your relationships might be challenged during cancer treatment, and even cultural, especially as it relates to anatomy, menopause, and other social values. Sexual dysfunction can impair body image, lower self-esteem, and lower sexual satisfaction, and result in psychological distress and decreased quality of life. Many types of cancer treatments, including surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, and endocrine therapy can cause sexual dysfunction. There are multiple ways of assessing sexual dysfunction, and the treatment is highly dependent on the cause and the specific symptoms. Anyone with sexual dysfunction that's distressing should talk to your doctor. I would like to move in the last few moments to talk a little bit about telemedicine. Telemedicine has truly exploded during the pandemic. Some, pra some practices have noted an increase in telemedicine by over 600%. Just think about that. Did you ever have a video visit with your doctor before the pandemic? Now, now that it's much more commonplace, which has allowed more convenient visits, especially those who travel great, place, great distances or have trouble with transportation, I want to be sure that as you engage in your telemedicine visit, that you're prepared for success. There are three steps that I would like to talk about. The first is preparing for your visit. Check to make sure you know how to log into your account. I can't tell you how many times I ended up calling a patient they couldn't find their password. Check your email for online forms that may need to be completed. And test your device to ensure it's working and charged and that you're in a private, quiet place. Next, bring questions. Write down the things you want to talk to your doctor about. A televisit is just as important as an in-person visit, and so we want to be sure to give it the same amount of attention. Don't be afraid to take a few notes even during the visit to help you remember the important parts. This will help ensure you remember the important aspects about your care. Third is to review the summary after your visit. Many offices, including mine, are moving towards an open note model where you have direct access to the doctor's medical note. The note is the official record of your visit with your doctor. Review this to ensure that your understanding and your doctor's understanding are aligned. Okay, so we've covered a lot in the bit of time that we've had today. The field of triple negative breast cancer is growing year by year. And while our black community is at higher risk for triple negative breast cancer, it is through programs such as this that we arm ourselves to receive the best care possible. 
Thank you so much for your time and attention. I look forward to answering questions at the Q&A. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Unger. That was a superb presentation. Just covered everything. Um, I have to say um, I'm very grateful for your really addressing so many aspects for our participants. And I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A, but, but thank you so much. Thank you. Really incredible presentation. Stellar. And our next speaker is Ms. Haley Dinneman, and Ms. Dinneman is a lawyer by training. She's co-founder and executive director of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. And she'll be speaking briefly about the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation's free programs, and we'll be telling you how to access services from the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. It's my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Ms. Dinneman. Thank you, Carolyn. Uh, thank you also to my fellow presenters, Dr. Unger. Your presentation was just excellent. And of course, to all of you listening today, this teleconference is one of many programs offered by the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. We have many TNBC-specific educational brochures and fact sheets that are available in print, and it's free downloads from our website. Like all of our educational materials, these brochures have special sections addressing issues of particular importance to black women. We work hard to make sure that you can find relevant information and practical guidance in all of our materials, so I hope you'll use them to your benefit. Our website, tnbcfoundation.org, offers two free and TNBC-specific clinical trials matching services, and we hear they're much easier to navigate than other portals. Our website also has a TNBC news section and online discussion forums. Our other online resources include two private TNBC Foundation Facebook groups, so you can easily connect with thousands of women who are living with TNBC, um, and these resources are here to help you and to remind you that you are not alone. Additionally, we have a number of monthly Zoom meetings for our TNBC community, Metastatic Mondays, Tuesdays with TNBC Friends, and Thriver Thursdays. And in partnership with Touch, the Black Breast Cancer Alliance, we also have two additional monthly Zoom meetings specifically for black women. I also would like to invite you to join our October program called Breathe With Us, where we offer a selection of free virtual programs designed to bring you some calm and tranquility during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And finally, this December, we will be at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, and we will be bringing you information about new and emerging TNBC research from there. If you follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, or visit our website, you can you'll get regular updates about these and all our other programs and be able to register online. So thank you once again for joining us, and now I'll turn the program back to Dr. Messner. Thank you so much, Ms. Zinnemann. That was really outstanding. And what a wonderful resource this is for uh, the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and also for the Triple Negative Breast Cancer community. And just thank you for all that you do for this community, um, all the programs and services and helpline that you provide. And our next speaker is Ms. Ricky Farley. And Ms. Farley is CEO, Touch the Black Breast Cancer Alliance. And she'll be talking about um, Touch the Black Black Breast Cancer Alliance's free programs and services. And I'm going to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Farley. Thank you for having us here today. And um, Dr. Unger, you're my new girl crush, so thank you for such a great overview of triple negative breast cancer. You touched on everything. I think one of the, and I'm a 12-year survivor of TNBC, very blessed to be here. And so 
our, our focus at Touch is to eradicate black breast cancer and address the specific needs of black women. And one of the things that Dr. Unger talked about that's so important is knowing your, her story, talking to your grandparents and, and on both sides of the family for all kinds of cancers to know your, her story and get a risk assessment at a young age if you do have a family history. It's so important. My daughter just had a, had a risk assessment. She's 38. And though I don't have the genetic mutation, I don't have BRCA, we have three generations of, of breast cancer in our family, which puts her at a 34% risk of getting it. So she's about to have a prophylactic mastectomy, and there's so many things we can do now to, you know, for families that have risk. Um, we also are trying to advance the science. We know that we're only going to do better with triple negative breast cancer, and I think one of the biggest fears being a survivor and a patient is the fact that we are the only breast cancer subtype that does not have a drug to prevent recurrence. We need more science. We need more science, and that's happening, but we need more. And the more of us that participate in clinical trials, the more science we will have in our favor and our bodies, our black bodies will be tested. So if you go to our website, whenwetrial.org, we have lots of information on trials. We have a way to sign up for trials. And really, you know, I know there's a lot of fear about it, but the fear is like just not understanding what standard of care is. And I think Dr. Unger explained it pretty well. But you know that Advil you took last week? It was in a clinical trial. That heart medicine I give my dog Harper was in a clinical trial. So it's really safe and you're going to get a drug and you're going to get a better quality and standard of care than you would just being on chemo. So please think about the science that you could do to help us all, help yourselves get better, but also help our community get better. Um, our one-week trial program, we have lots of really cool videos of with patients explaining their, their stories and how trials have helped them. And in the last year, we've now signed up almost 14,000 black women for clinical trial portals. So check it out and see how the information could potentially help you and your family because we know that if you're on a trial, you're going to have a better outcome. Also, make breast health something that's part of your self-care routine. When you get your nails done, check your breasts. And make it part of, you know, your, your monthly routine to just check your breath and know your bodies and talk to your families. Those are the most important things we can do for each other. So thanks for having us today. We do have a support group with, for, specifically for Black Women with TNBC, as Haley said. It's on the, on the first Tuesday of every month. If you go to our website, touchbbca.org, and all of our social media that touch BBCA, all of the information is there. We also have a nurse navigator on our team, so if you want to talk about a clinical trial or get some advice or some coaching, you can reach out to us and we will help you think about what's the best care you can get. So thank you for having us today and everybody be blessed. Thank you so much, Ms. Farley. That was just a superb presentation. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a wonderful resource as well. And our next speaker is Jennifer LaPetier, and she's an oncology social worker, a bilingual oncology social worker at Cancer Care. And she'll be talking about the free services of the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation. Ms. LaPetier. Thank you, Dr. Messner. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Jennifer LaPietra, and I'm a bilingual oncology social worker at Cancer Care. My role includes working with women diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer and their families. The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care have partnered together to ensure that those diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer have access to free psychosocial services and support. There are many aspects of a breast cancer diagnosis that could be addressed through psychosocial supportive services, including making informed treatment decisions, quality of life concerns, navigating clinical trials, learning about your fertility options, and communication with one's medical team. 
The Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation has also generously funded the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Helpline, which provides callers with access to comprehensive services. Some comprehensive services the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care Helplines provide include resource navigation, counseling, educational workshops, publications, and limited financial assistance. By calling the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Helpline, individuals are connected to an oncology social worker who is aware of the physical, emotional, and practical challenges that may arise when diagnosed with Triple Negative Breast Cancer. A cancer diagnosis can also be very overwhelming. Establishing a network for additional support and guidance may help relieve feelings of anxiety and increase feelings of hope and empowerment. Joining a support group can offer the chance for triple negative breast cancer patients to speak with one another, gather information, and provide support. Cancer Care offers triple negative breast cancer specific national online support groups for patients and caregivers respectively, which are moderated by oncology social workers. We are often able to offer a women of color patients group with a section focused for triple negative breast cancer patients. As African Americans and women of color experiences with triple negative breast cancer vastly differ from other populations, such a support group provides members with the opportunity to speak about their unique and specific challenges in a safe space with people who will understand. You can register for an online support group through cancercare.org by selecting our services and then support groups. Individuals may also experience practical and financial concerns throughout one's treatment. Please know that if you are encountering such financial hardships, there are organizations that may be able to help you. Cancer Care's Resource Navigation offers a short-term, strengths-based approach service to patients and caregivers affected by cancer nationally. A trained specialist will work with client in connecting them to resources, referrals, and financial assistance. If you are interested in learning more about the services the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation and Cancer Care offer, I encourage you to call the TNBC helpline at 877-880-8622. Our oncology social workers can share additional information about our services and can also help you explore ways to connect with others, including our support groups and financial assistance resources. It has been such a pleasure to be a part of this workshop. Thank you for your attention, and I wish you all a good afternoon. I will now turn the workshop back to Dr. Messner. Oh, thank you so much, um, Ms. LaPietra. That was outstanding and just a wonderful resource as well. Um, and um, certainly the, um, thank you for covering it so beautifully. And our next speaker is Ms. Sarah Grizales Jarmillo, and she, and she is Insights Program Coordinator at Cancer Care and an oncology social worker, and she'll be discussing your important role in shared decision-making and how to self-advocate with the healthcare team. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Ms. Jarmillo. Thank you, Dr. Messner. As mentioned, my name is Sarah gonzalez Jaramillo, and I'm the Insights Program Coordinator. My role is to provide a platform for individuals impacted by cancer to share their challenges and barriers accessing oncological care. As we continue to talk about accessing the best treatment options for black women diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer, it is essential to mention the importance of shared decision-making, which is a key component of patient-centered care. 
It is a process in which the patient and clinician work together to make decisions and select tests, treatments, and care plans based on clinical evidence that balances risks and expected outcomes combined with patients' preferences and values. This can also include cultural and religious values if you are the patient. Shared decision-making may help you and your provider agree on healthcare plans. When you're engaged in shared decision-making as a patient, you will learn more about your diagnoses and understand how it may impact you physically and emotionally. You will recognize that a decision needs to be made about your treatments, and communicating with your medical team will inform you about the options available to you and help you understand the pros and cons of different treatment options. It will also help you have the information and tools needed to evaluate your treatment options, which will better prepare you to talk with your healthcare provider to decide what's right for you. Self-advocacy is also a key component in shared decision-making. This means speaking up for yourself and what's right for you. Healthcare decisions are your choice. You have control over your body, and you have the power and the right to speak up for yourself at any time. When speaking with your healthcare team, you can also ask your doctor or provider to slow down or repeat themselves if necessary. You can also request an interpreter or find other means of communication. You should feel comfortable asking questions, exploring treatment options, and you can ask clarifying questions about your diagnosis and the treatment options provided. Tell your team about any discomfort that you may have with your medical recommendations. Treatment should be appropriate not only for your diagnosis, but also for your values, beliefs, lifestyle, and cultural traditions. I will now be passing it over to Dr. Messner. Thank you for listening today. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Ms. Jermel. That was really outstanding, wonderful information. And now we're going to move on to the Q&A. I'm going to ask Rob to explain to you how to queue up for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we will take questions from the web only. You may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. So um, uh, this is for, uh, for Dr. Unger. Is the type of triple negative breast cancer in African-American women more aggressive? Is, is, it, is it cellular makeup unique? So when we consider types of triple negative breast cancers, there's a lot of heterogeneity or differences within the breast cancer, the triple negative breast cancer cohort. We actually think about uh, triple negative breast cancer as being a, a large, a large number of different types of cancers within that that. Uh, group. We do know that some aspects, um, such as having lower socioeconomic um, status, low, having low, lower access to healthy foods, can increase the risk of those breast cancers. Um, and those, unfortunately, are some of the aspects that disproportionately affect black and African American communities within this country. Um, when we do look at the overall survival, unfortunately, um, some studies have shown that the outcomes are worse for black populations with triple negative breast cancers, but other studies have not shown that. So it's a little bit unclear exactly which way um, the mortality changes uh, go um, because we have these different studies that kind of uh, take a picture in a slightly different way. So it's a little bit hard to see, um, you know, on the outset. And another question for you, Dr. Unker, are the side effects, are there side effects from the radiation? There most certainly are side effects from radiation. So 
Um, some of the side effects from radiation can include burning or peeling of the skin. Sometimes it can be dryness of the skin. Everyone reacts a little bit differently. I've had some people just totally skate through their radiation with very minimal side effects. And I've had some who told me, boy, doc, the, the side effect was worse than the, the, um, the radiation was worse than the chemotherapy. And so every body is different. I encourage, um, I encourage everyone to make sure to have a detailed conversation both with their medical oncologist and with their radiation oncologist about what side effects they can expect based upon the dose, the frequency, and the areas that are going to be irradiated. Another question for you. There are lots of questions for you, Dr. Unger. Um, That's okay. I talked a lot. I apologize. <laughs> so um, this great questions. Um, this one, um, for post-triple negative breast cancer treatment, remission versus IVF hormone treatment for infertility, what is the latest development recommendation? Thank you. That's, a, that's an interesting question. So when we think about breast cancers in general, the majority tend to be hormone positive, and for those patients, we really encourage you to wait two years, two years after your cancer treatment um, before attempting for conception, IVF, anything where your hormones within your body are going to be dramatically um, adjusted. For triple negative breast cancers, as far because it's not hormonally mediated, um, those same type of concerns aren't, um, aren't quite the same. There can be some challenges with conception due to uh, potentially premature ovarian failure or going into a menopausal type state related to the uh, cancer treatments. And so I would say this is something that would want to be addressed on an individual level with your doctor about the safe time to consider uh, conception with IVF or without IVF. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and another question for you. Um, does ashwagandha have a role in survivorship like exercise and diet since there is no medicine to take to prevent recurrence? And could you comment on that in general? Yes, we do know that for breast cancer patients, um, and in particular that in that survivorship part of the life, that making sure that you have a diet that's balanced with plenty of fruits and vegetables, minimal saturated fats, and mineral sh minimal sugars is the best diet for overall uh, survival. Now, there, you know, keto has, has had its uh, moment, and for some conditions, some non-cancerous conditions, it has been um, shown to be helpful. I have a lot of patients who ask me, Doc, is sugar bad for me? Should I be avoiding all sugar? My sister is knocking, you know, chocolate chip cookies out of my hand left and right. Um, you know, what do, what do you say to that? I say that certainly all cells require sugar, including your heart, your muscles, and your brain. They require sugar to function properly. Um, and I would say the good news is that high-quality randomized controlled trials have not shown that a ketogenic diet that is strictly low in sugar has been um, clearly demonstrated to be the best or the better diet for women who are in their survivorship part of their phrase, so their, their, their cancer care. So I, I encourage moderation. If you want to enjoy a warm chocolate chip cookie from time to time, I am just fine with that. Excellent, thanks. I think that makes everyone happy on the call. Thank you. And the next question is, could Dr. Unger please discuss the status of the TNBC vaccine that's currently in trials at Cleveland Clinic? 
Yes, it's very exciting. Um, so far we have had some um, some positive findings, which is really encouraging. As you all have covered wonderfully on this talk that um, we don't have good ways to prevent um, recurrence for triple negative breast cancer um, and the, you know, and, the, and that survivorship phase. And so some of our uh, initial studies have been encouraging. And so un unfortunately, the child arms are, are um, are are currently uh, full, um, but you know, from time to time, we'll we'll put up fires if things change. Um, but so far, it has definitely been promising, and so I'm I am anxiously awaiting for the final results of of our of our initial studies. Awesome, thank you, and um, that's, that's exciting. And a question um, from one of our participants: When receiving the chemo immunotherapy regimen, surgery, and radiation, how likely are we to get are you to get cancer again? So good question. When we think about the trials, the trials that demonstrated this to be an effective regimen, we found that the and again this is the neoadjuvant or upfront treatment. We found that women who take this treatment are living cancer-free at three years. That's kind of where the trial did the first checkpoint. At three years, were uh, living were more more of them were living than um, otherwise. So the difference was 76.8 percent at alive at three years who did not take the immunotherapy compared to 84.5 percent who did take the the uh, immuno chemo plus immunotherapy. And some patients will tell me, wow, those numbers sound great. Some patients will tell me, wow, those numbers do not sound great. Um, remember that the chemo plus immunotherapy is currently indicated for those patients who are of high risk. Those can be a larger tumor. Those can be positive lymph nodes. And so these patients already have a higher risk of recurrence. And so this improvement from 76.8% up to 84.5% living cancer-free at three years is a significant and meaningful improvement. But it won't be without continued clinical trials that we can continue to move that needle, um, you know, in the, in the positive direction. And we have another question here um, for you. Um, this may be our last question. Given that the national age for mammogram is, the, is only 40, yet TNBC in particular is being diagnosed in women between 25 and 38, is it best to update standards for black and African-American women to be screened younger or it, or it relies or on really educating women, young women, to do breast health exams? Yes, excellent question. I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, not too long ago, some of the guidelines strengthened that recommendation for starting at age 40, not just having a conversation, not waiting until age 50, but really starting at age 40. Um, and getting the mammograms every year. I've been thinking increasingly about this because our my population um, does tend to be younger. And so because right now the, um, the, the demonstrated benefit is not for the younger population and the insurances typically are not covering it for younger, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to know your family history. So I am, a, I am one of those folks um, who fall into that category of having a lot of family members who have first degree and second degree family members with breast cancers. But when my mother was checked, she did not carry a BRCA mutation or any known mutation. And she was rechecked even with the larger panel, and she did not have anything. 
But because I knew my family history, I was able to use a different way to assess my risk. We call this the tire Kruziak model. Tire Kruziak model. And this was able to stratify me into a much higher category. And so I was able to get screenings starting at age 30, which is a full 10 years earlier. And so while currently the guidelines are for all comers, black and all patients to start at the latest at age 40, knowing your family history can help you meet criteria to start sooner. And certainly knowing your own breast, knowing what's normal for you, lumps and bumps that are normal for you, lumps and bumps that are new, should certainly be addressed by a doctor. And if they're not recommending imaging and or followed up by a biopsy, please ask why. And if you're not feeling comfortable with that, get a second opinion. Excellent. So now we are coming to the end of the program. I'm going to ask our speakers to give um, a takeaway from today's program. So I'm going to ask um, Dr. Unger. I'm going to ask um, Jennifer Lapetier and Sarah Jermillo just to give a takeaway from today's program. So I'm going to start with you, Dr. Unger. Just what you'd like people, like a minute, just to take away of what you'd like them to take away from today's program. I think from today's program, I really want people to know that they should ask a lot of questions to their doctors. Ask questions about why so that you understand what your doctor understands about your health. I, re I really encourage folks to bring somebody with you. Cause sometimes it can feel a little intimidating to ask the doctor's kind of pointed questions, but we are prepared to answer pointed questions. So please bring your family members. Please bring those, you know, those cancer warriors. Bring your sisters. Bring your friends to your appointment to help you ask those questions, and because we do tend to give a lot of information, um, they can help you remember those most important parts. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you for the reminder to bring family members with you. That's an important thing, an extra set of ears. Excellent. Okay. And um, um, next person would be um, Jennifer Lapetier. Oh, thank you, Dr. Messner. Um, my takeaway point for our callers today would be not to be afraid to reach out for support when you need it, um, whether it's through our helplines, through your uh, existing circle of uh, friends, family, or community centers. Being able to know who to go to for what can be super helpful when you're going through something that's so difficult and challenging, whether it's helping you with getting medications from the pharmacy or picking up groceries or just merely sitting with you and listening to you as you discuss what it is that's going on for you. Please know that you're not alone as you go through this and that we're here for you and we'd love to support you through this in any way that we can. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks. That's lovely. Miss um, Jarmillo. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would like to echo um, what both Dr. Anger and Jennifer have mentioned, um, but also the importance of feeling comfortable with your medical team. Um, I think, you know, in order to ask questions and, and learn more about treatment options available, it really starts with establishing trust with the medical team. Um, so, you know, if the medical team has mentioned something that maybe it's not to your liking, expressing that and, and really asking those questions and um, concerns that you may have. Thank you. And also, thank you so much. Um, and I would like to just remind everyone that we do have many more um, triple neg negative breast cancer programs. We have one coming up next Wednesday, October 25th, on metastatic triple negative breast cancer. We'll also be doing a program um, on ASCO uh, updates from ASCO. Um, 
2023. So you'll be in, in San Antonio too. So you're going to be hearing many more. You'll be getting many more information about more programs that we have. I just would like to thank everyone. All of our speakers have been phenomenal on today's program. It's just been an amazing group of speakers and also um, and, and wonderful speakers and wonderful questions that you've all asked, such great questions that really enhance the program today. Um, and I, I would say that both of us are speaking. We've done this program before, but I don't think we've ever had the range of questions and the wonderful speakers we had today that really was addressing the questions. So I just want to thank everybody for just really being superb on the call today. Now, I do want to I recognize that we did not get to everyone's questions, so I do want to acknowledge that. For those of you who got to ask a question, for those of you who have a question yet to ask, and for those of you who are thinking of a question, please go back to your health care team. We hope that you've learned something today and you can take that information back to treating health care team. They have your records, your chart, they know all about you, and again, use what you've learned today when you when you ask questions of your health care team. Also, please know when your health care team is available. The biggest problem that people seem to have is evenings, weekends, and holidays. So actually find out who is on call during those times so that you always have access to a physician at the center that you're going to. And most importantly, um, to echo what our, our last two speakers said, actually during the Q&A, you're not alone. You're definitely not alone. You do have a whole team of people um, in your corner. And who is that team? Well, first of all, you have your healthcare team, and they consist of not just your medical oncologist and surgeon, but also include the radiation team, your um, the oncology nurse, oncology social worker, financial pl- financial um, navigator, um, uh, resource navigator on your team. All of these people are there, financial navigator. They're all there to help you. And then you do have all the resources that we mentioned today that you can access, so please take advantage of them. And most importantly, as we conclude the program today, although I know it is very, very often that people feel alone, please know that you are now part of the community of support. And there are a lot of communities of support that we've talked about today that you can access so much information from the Triple Negative Breast Cancer Foundation, touch um, uh, from all the different groups that we've mentioned today that you can access resources, cancer care, um, but please do take advantage of those services. Again, I want to thank you all for your participation today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a great day.